if we don't understand the story that is unfolding in the Hebrew scriptures in what the church sometimes calls the Old Testament, then we won't understand Jesus. Uh, we won't understand those who wrote about Jesus. And, uh, and if that's the case, it's, it's no wonder we end up with all the screwy forms of Christianity that we have. Hey, welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. I am your host, Roland Smith, and I'm here with co-host Terry Ishi in Texas. How's it going, Terry? Uh, it's going pretty good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Alan, you're out in Tennessee. How are you? Still doing all right, man. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see you. And uh, yeah, for everyone, we do see each other because we record on the Zoom platform, which I think by now all of the country knows about Zoom <laughs> right. um, because it's the one way to do meetings and things like that. Um, but yeah, we uh, we utilize Zoom all the time. But yeah, it's good to see you guys too. Uh, we're actually recording this podcast for a f- for a future release in about a week, week and a half. And so who knows what um, culture and society and coronavirus is going to look like at that point, right? But um, we, wanted to, we wanted to get this segment out and get it recorded because we have a great interview today with a friend of ours named Sean Gladding. And uh, besides having a really cool accent uh, because he's not American, um, Sean wrote a book about 10 years ago that a friend of ours, David Zimmerman, edited and acquired at IVP uh, called The Story of God and Us. Um, and it is a narrative presentation of uh, the story that the scriptures present. And Sean is masterful at actually um, his, his wordsmithing and his choice of characters and development and things like that. And so it's, it's a super engaging way to engage the Bible um, in kind of a um, fictional but theologically correct uh, way of presenting it. And so not only did he write that book 10 years ago, but then uh, you can also get the, the Audible book also, which is I think is even better because his accent is so cool. And his wife joins him in that uh, reading of, of the book. And so it's super, super um, engaging. But we'll get to that interview in um, just a second. But I thought it might be fun to just kind of um, talk about that a little bit because we're, we're in this crisis of, uh, you know, coronavirus and, and people being quarantined or they have to shelter at home or things like that. And so people are figuring out spiritual rhythms or ways to, to continue to engage the scriptures and worship and things like that. Um, and so, you know, what, do, what are you guys doing personally in, in your own time? How are you, since, since we're not able to go to the church and work or be with our church communities on Sunday necessarily, or we have to be online. What are some things that you're personally doing uh, to stay connected to your faith and to God and to the rhythms that you've gotten used to? What, what about you, Alan? Anything in particular? I, I think the interesting thing right now is, is this is calling out not just like personal rhythms, but societal rhythms as well. And it's calling out some of the stuff we've always kind of relied on and maybe some of the crutches we've always relied on. And I know that for me, um, if you look at my APEST, I'm a teacher, a possible prophet. So I think like a teacher. And I know that for me, a lot of my spiritual rhythms came from 
when I would enter into the text because I was going to teach it. I loved study. I loved to like understand and, and to like get into the commentaries and completely nerd out. But the ultimate idea was to teach it. Now I felt like I was being spiritually formed in all that, you know, like I'm being formed in the process, but I kind of relied on that as the sum total of my personal not the sum total, but a lot of my spiritual development, like my own spiritual, like, hey, if I'm going to look at my life, here's a big part of it. Well, in this time right now, guess what I'm not doing? I'm not doing a ton of teaching. I'm not doing a ton of study. I'm not around all these books all the time. So it is, how do I, how do I incorporate this rhythm into my life of saying, you know what? I just need this just for me. Uh, I need this time for here. Now, a lot of people have probably already figured that out for themselves, I needed this crisis to kind of call that out in me and not just rely on that one time, but to, to really go back to incorporating what you would call the spiritual disciplines, right? Uh, in our community, we call them spiritual rhythms uh, because we are not going to be naturally formed towards Jesus. We actually need to like be intentional about it. How are we going to be formed more like Christ? And so how do we adopt the rhythms and the ways that are going to form us towards that? For me, man, it's been weird because we're still so early in this and there's a lot of chaos. Um, a part of my natural makeup is I want to strategize everything. Um, so I want to like, my calendar is a spiritual discipline. I look at my calendar and I'm like, here's how everything goes here. I'm setting this time aside, man, I look at my calendar now and I could just say, throw it all out. Um, cause I'm totally starting from scratch. Everything that was there, I'm totally making it up and having to start all over. And then how do I incorporate intentional rhythms into my life and not just make it about, oh, here's the next thing that has to get, get done or here's the next crisis or here's the next thing I need to strategize, but to intentionally stop and take some time in the midst of this and go, nope, I'm going to incorporate some of these, whether it's journaling, whether it's prayer, scripture reading, fasting, all the different things back into my life. Yeah, it's good to hear that you got saved, man. <laughs> I've been praying for you. We've, we've Thanks, been Sushi. like really worried, you know, but I, we're rejoicing today on this podcast. Cause, yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. Found God. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Terry? Yeah. Uh, so a couple of years ago, um, which it's funny because Bradford, uh, even before he got saved, he was very uh, instrumental in helping me uh, wrestle with how I pray. Uh, growing up, I, you know, I, I didn't go to church. I was a little orphan boy. And so I uh, didn't really come to, to faith and spiritual formation until uh, an early adult. And uh, it just kind of took on the rhythms, the, the disciplines, practices uh, of the people that I was around. And it just happened to be a, you read your Bible every day and you do the devotional and you kind of, that was, those were the, that was the framework of spirituality and spiritual formation for me. And, um, I'm a dyslexic, dysgraphic kid, and that was just <laughs> brutal. It was so tough. So I just, for years and years, even as a pastor, you know, just always had a sense of like shame. And that was like the dark shadow. It's like, don't let people know. But, you know, I, I struggle with that. And uh, a handful of years ago, um, me and Alan, we were having a conversation, and I was kind of asking him, you know, how do you pray and how do you do these things? And, um, man, having that conversation and, and taking, adopting some new practices over the last year or so has really prepared me well for this time, um, where mainly uh, is how I pray. Um, for years, when I was younger, 
prayer meant stopping, slowing down, bowing my head, getting quiet, getting silent, and voicing, whether internally or externally, but voicing a coherent line of dialogue towards God. That was prayer. Mm. Um, But over the last year, just embracing prayer as more of just kind of being with God and seeing God and sensing God and uh, trusting that God knows my heart and he knows my mind. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm wrestling with. He knows deep down what's good for me. And he knows deep down what I want, even the selfish bits. And so prayer taking on more of that, that individual solo prayer really kind of comes out today more as how I'm just dialoguing in my own head, but it's not coherent senses, if that makes sense. Like if if you were to hear it, you were like, we have no idea what you're even thinking or saying. It's just, it's jumbled, but my mind gets it. And I, and and it's in line with, with the Holy spirit. And so that's what prayer is like. And, and it really kind of came to a head uh, yesterday Uh, for America. We had all of our hub directors from across the country. We're on a call. And we were doing some guided prayer at the end. And as I was sitting through that experience, just, you know, in agreement and even kind of wrestling with some frustration of just kind of what's going on with everything. um, It it just hit me. It was like, oh, wow, this, this is a different type of praying, you know, because I, all my prayer up to that has just been in my mind and in my head and and, in my thoughts with God. And so uh, that was the reminder that, oh yeah, that, that dialogue, you know, prayer is good. Uh, but it's often best done in community. And when you aren't in a community, uh, it's, it's hard to do that. And so uh, we do that as a family, but we, we don't go hard like that uh, as, as we did yesterday. So that was good. So here's what's interesting is I, I could circle back on that conversation and go like that for me, that prayer of like it, it really wrestling through the, the passage, it says pray continually, right? So to pray continually doesn't mean bow your head, keep going, like, like here's this, but you know, being in alignment with God's spirit and what does that mean? But I've actually come back around to reclaiming, and, and I don't know if you guys have, yeah, I think you guys all kind of grew up a little bit, you're on the Protestant side, right? Where we kind of threw everything that was liturgical out the window, yeah. but reclaiming the prayers of liturgy, the liturgical prayers. And I was the one that always just kind of rolled my eyes at those, balked at them. What are these old people? Why, why do I need to do that? Um, but in our community, uh, we have been reclaiming those. And every once in a while, one will strike me, especially in community, especially when you're doing it in community. One will strike you and it just hits your heart and you're like, oh my gosh. It's like that author who all of a sudden, it feels like they're saying your thoughts out loud, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden you have this prayer that you're just like, oh, I... I, I didn't even know I wanted to pray that, but that is, those are the words that I, I needed right then and there. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I mean this, and this is going to end up being confession on podcast time. Um, you know, the last few days, uh, my spiritual rhythms have not been good. I mean, because, well, there's no excuse for that. So I'm not saying because uh, as an excuse, but you know, we have, the coffee shop and things like that. And so we have all these practical things that um, they, they can easily overtake your spiritual connection and your spiritual focus, I think on God and it. And it does with me too, you know, being a pastor of 28 years and uh, seminary degrees and everything that nothing saves you from 
life overtaking your focus on God. And so, you know, the last few days we've been trying to figure out, okay, how do we keep the shop afloat? How do we do to go orders? I've set up new menus and new things like that so that we could, um, you know, try to pay bills and, and be, be here on the other side of this. And, um, yesterday morning, I, I've been getting up early every morning and opening the shop early. I walk, walk out into our house and my wife is sitting at our dining room table with her computer open and, uh, she's an online high school advisor. And so I'm used to seeing her sit there. That's where she works. And I'm used to seeing her sit there with her headphones on and her computer open and all that. And so I walk by without even paying attention to what she's saying or doing or the audio coming out of her computer or anything like that. And then when I walk back in, I realized that she had like worship music on and she was sitting there with her eyes closed and was kind of singing under her breath. And she had her Bible open beside her and then she was praying. And um, both of us had gotten caught up in the fear and the fervor and the, uh, the news cycles and all the things had kind of overtaken our thought processes for, for the last three or four days. It's like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? How do we live stream the services at church? How do we keep the coffee shop going? Um, and then she's scared to go outside or things like that. She was the one that kind of, um, you know, reached over and hit the emergency brake in our car. And, um, and when I saw her sitting there, just kind of, resting in that and breathing, it reminded me, um, that I was walking way ahead of God. Like I wasn't following Jesus anymore as much as I was way out ahead and asking him to kind of follow me, you know, and all the plans that I had. So, um, you know, I think, I think the last few days have, um, shown me that, that maybe my spiritual rhythms are not cast in concrete enough. They're not foundational enough. They're kind of part of my life. And when things are going well uh, or life seems normal, then I have some pretty good spiritual rhythms and everybody kind of sees that in my life. When crisis hits or a pandemic hits in a literal fashion, all of a sudden maybe I'm, part on rock and part on sand, you know, as the scriptures put it. And so it's, it's really, um, this has, um, told me, man, you really need to, you need to figure out what, what the pavement stones are going to be like in your life that no matter what happens, whatever, no matter what you lose, no matter what happens, what is it that you're going to walk on or what are the rhythms that you're going to walk on? And, um, so, you know, in a way I think crises like these can be a blessing because they, you know, it's kind of, they kind of grab you by the shoulders and shake you a little bit and you kind of get like, Oh, Oh, okay. I've lost my way. And then for me, it was seeing Kitty yesterday kind of said, Oh, see, she's, she's helping lead me back to, um, a healthy rhythm, you know? And so I can't say that I know exactly what that is. Um, 
one of the things I'm going to continue to do is, is um, which I'm not just trying to plug the interview for today is actually is to, is to listen to Sean Gladding's um, audible book and his podcast, because he's just got this, he's got this way of reading and talking and stuff. That's just really soothing, you know, and uh, captures the essence of the scriptures and God's heart. I think Um, what are there, are there rhythms or things that you guys are putting out to your communities and uh, the people that you influence um, that are helpful um, or things that you can think of that other people are doing that might be helpful to, to listeners? Yeah. So one of the things that we're doing uh, in our community during this time, and I think we might've mentioned this in another podcast, but we've created a kind of a virtual space where three times a day, um, morning, uh, evening, or morning, actually like dinner time and then evening, we're just creating a prayer space um, uh, online saying, here's the, here's a Zoom link, come join us. And that, that prayer time will obviously kind of focus on prayer, but it can also be other things as well. It could be discussion. It could be, hey, let's check in with each other. It could be, um, you know, hey, let's, let's have a, we, we've been circling around the, uh, the dinner time and saying, what if we did stuff for kids there? You know, this is when parents are probably the most frustrated. They're trying to cook dinner. Kids are going crazy. So what if we did something for kids, you know, had, had people read books or anything like that. Um, and so trying to maintain connection uh, to our community in a, in a time where connection is really strained, uh, but also grounding it in, in prayer and grounding it in, um, hey, we're, we're really seeking the heart of God as we continue in this. What about you, yeah. Terry? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's good stuff, Alan. Um, for us, I mean, um, for our people, we're just really leaning into our already established rhythms um, of listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, so finding time to do that. And and we have a, a variety of different ways that we encourage people to do that and, and learning Jesus and staying in the gospel. And, um, and then practicing, you know, the, the, the external rhythms and practices to the best of their ability. So uh, how are they blessing people and eating with people? And, um, and then the, the creative thing that we're, we're having to navigate through is how do we reflect on our sentness? You know, how do we, how do we get people um, that action reflection piece of talking about how's it going and what are the challenges that they're, they're kind of bumping up against. And so that's kind of where we're at. Um, and oddly enough, it's, it's, you know, I've had several conversations with pastors and leaders here in town that I work with, uh, who have, uh, who have been looking for more story, story elements. And, uh, Sean has been a friend for a long time. Um, and, uh, uh I was actually on a conference called uh, chatting with Sean yesterday. And there were a couple churches here in town that were like, Hey, uh, we're, we're, we've been turned on to the story of God book. Is there, is there any way we can get like audio, you know, versions of the book and, and all that. And so, uh, I was able to kind of connect them and loop them in with Sean and, and say, Hey, you know, Sean's a good friend and, you know, um, his, his book story of God is, is part of the forge line of books. And so, uh, so we're actually, you know, pushing that book, uh, especially the audible version and then the podcast, which is new um, and for their people. And uh, one of the organizations is um, a college ministry here at the university of Texas in Austin. And um, they're, they're trying to get their, the kids there, the college kids 
you know, to really embrace the story of this and, and be able to uh, talk back and, and, and share that with other people and the other kids in, in their lives on campus. And so, uh, yeah, so Sean's uh, content and stuff has been really, really helpful uh, in this time. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I think at our, our, in our church community, we're trying to f- figure this out as well. And uh, besides the live streaming, you know, the gathering kind of thing, which is kind of this, I don't know, this cultural expectation, it's forced us into some good things of um, some good thoughts around how do we curate community during the week. And um, so I know that uh, there's a live uh, kind of webinar looking setup that they've already put together for the student ministry um, and one for the kids ministry. And so that, so that our, our leaders and teachers and those people that are kind of gifted in content curation can go into homes over, you know, over zoom or different uh, things like that. And, families can engage the scriptures or things like that, um, you know, with, with the rest of the community that signs on. So, and I think that, you know, that's the best, that's the best thing we can think of right now. Um, in, in being help, you know, being a help to people as they're, as they're, um, curating those things. And then I know, uh, we're going to do like two or three kind of 10 minute check-in type sessions with, uh, with the church community that are more online based, um, you know, from pastors and leaders, cause they're always wondering what are they thinking? You know, what, what is, uh, what is the church doing? And then obviously we're, we're kind of upping some of our care ministries as well, um, as actually a spiritual practice too. So, you know, if someone's not sick and they feel safe, then they can actually come and help. Um, but we, you know, we have things like food, food give outs. And, um, we already had a ministry where we delivered bunk beds to foster families, uh, because someone will get a call and it's like, Hey, can you take these two kids tonight? And they're, they're perfectly willing to take the kids, but it's like, we have no bedding or place for them to sleep. So we've had this ministry for a while, um, that's grown really, really big to the point that we have a whole wood shop, that does nothing but makes bunk beds. And then we have a team that delivers them. And so, um, you know, those kind of things are going to keep going, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep doing that. Um, and then as funny as it sounds, we can chuckle, you know, we're sitting on hundreds of rolls of toilet paper as an institution, a large <laughs> church, you know, so it's like at some point it's going to be like, we're going to have a toilet paper ministry. And it's like, man, if you're, if you're out, we'll deliver, TP, you know, so the crappiest ministry in the church, right? <laughs> so I had to do it. I'm like the that dad was joke. such a dad joke right there, I man. <laughs> I know, but I'm the king of dad jokes. So anyway, I, I think it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's new rhythms. Uh, we're in a whole new place. Um, you know, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore, you know, so it's like, um, you know, we're kind of walking around like we're in Oz and trying to figure out, you know, um, the way to the Emerald City, you know, and it's like, it's, it's a little bit surreal, but like one of you said, I think it's going to force some really, really good uh, formation in us. 
because anytime there's a gap or a void, um, humans want to try to fix it. They want to try to figure it out. And so as people of Jesus, um, maybe some voids will come to the top that needed to come to the top, right? Like unhealth under that was under the surface, under the skin, kind of like what I was talking about with my own spiritual uh, rhythms. And, um, so I'm, I'm really want to be a good note taker as well of this time. Um, I, I purchased, uh, from a friend, Alan Briggs that some people know, um, he's in, you know, leadership coaching and has been a pastor for years and stuff like that. And he's got a thing called stay forth designs and they've got this great journal, um, that's kind of leather bound and everything. And I bought one of those, um, because I want to be a good journaler and note taker of new thoughts and new things that recipes that come out of this, you know, for the future so that on the other side of this, we don't just say, okay, glad this is over. Now let's go back to, let's go back to our unhealthy rhythms, you know, yeah, or the things, uh, the thing we can forget about the things that were actually, um, healthier to do and just go back to our old way of life. Yeah. Well, Hey, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Sean. Um, again, Sean Gladding, friend of ours and, Um, he's gonna, um, talk a little bit about both his book, um, the story of God and us, which I think, um, should come back into focus during this time. I think it would be great to do that as well. He has a podcast called the naked man, and, um, he's really, really clear and quick to say that he is not the naked man, which is a good thing. Um, but it's taught, you know, it's referring to uh, the naked man that we don't, we don't know much about that is following Jesus after Jesus gets arrested. And then they grab, grab the only piece of clothing he's wearing and he runs off naked, you know? And so um, that's, that's why I titled the the podcast that, um, but Sean is so gifted at, um, just oratory and wordsmithing and, and thoughts of narrative, uh, narrative ways to look at the scripture and the story of God. So uh, anyway, let's jump on to this interview and listen to our friend, Sean Gladding. Hey, well, uh, welcome. I am so glad to have um, a friend, uh, Sean Gladding, really kind of a new friend. Uh, We recently connected, even though we know several common people um, around missional uh, practices and missional church planting and uh, editors and different things. And um, Sean Gladding um, wrote 10 years ago, The Story of God, The Story of Us. And I remember reading that book and just uh, uh, just being really, really taken by it. I didn't know Sean at that time. Um, I didn't know your editor at that time, uh, David Zimmerman, and I've become friends of both of them now. And uh, so I'm just really happy, happy to have you on, Sean. And um, you've got a new podcast and that, that it kind of flows from this book. So I'm really excited uh, to talk about it. So, so welcome to the podcast. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Good to see your face. 
uh, and delighted to have the chance to have a conversation about the biblical narrative and uh, and how it can shape the way we live our life uh, in community today. Yeah, I was I was looking back at um, the Amazon page uh, for that book, which was released in January of uh, 2010, right? Uh, later that year, I think, but this, or later that year, so yeah. almost ten years. But I went back and I was looking at the Amazon page for that, and one of the little teasers, or a couple of the teasers, um, were were really interesting. It said, uh, you know, before there was the Bible, something like God's story was flesh and blood, and and there was another little teaser. I don't know if you remember these. There's another little teaser that was. Um, you know, uh, Sean takes us uh, in between the lines of scripture. And so, and of course, I know that's not meant in a heretical sense or anything like that, but um, what, what just fascinated me about reading the book um, for the first time was approaching, uh, approaching this from a narrative standpoint and being really careful to curate the theology and um, you know, the orthodoxy well, right? And so could you, could you just kind of lead us into what even got you thinking that way and taking this on? Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, um, in the late 90s. Uh, I was at Asbury Seminary here in Kentucky uh, working towards uh, an MDiv Masters of Divinity uh, degree and took uh, this class, uh, New Testament Theology, with Mary Fisher, who is one of the most amazing women uh, I know and incredible teacher uh, and biblical scholar. And uh, she um, had us read one of the texts for that class was N.T. Wright's book, The Challenge of Jesus which had just come out like a couple of months before the class. Uh, and that book and that class with Mary really sh literally ch shaped and changed the trajectory of my life. And I had grown up in a, a little evangelical sort of fundamentalist dispensationalist uh, chapel in England. Uh, and so uh, I, I sort of uh, approached the Bible as uh, a, the handbook for living, uh, the rule book, um, you know, basic instructions before leaving earth, if you, if you right. uh, but then to suddenly, uh, be in this class, uh, and be open to this idea of this story that is unfolding long before we ever were given words on a page, uh, that, that, um, and, uh, N.T. Wright, especially that book where he talks about, you know, um, the trouble uh, for uh, huge sections of the church is that we think uh, of Jesus as the beginning of uh, Christianity mm -hmm. rather than the climax of the story of Israel uh, as narrated in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, and so uh, if we don't understand the story that is unfolding in the Hebrew scriptures and what the church sometimes calls the Old Testament, then we won't understand Jesus. Uh, we won't understand those who wrote about Jesus. 
And uh, and if that's the case, it's it's no wonder we end up with all the screwy forms of Christianity that we have over the mm. last two thousand years. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I began to explore uh, in that class and then beyond this this big story that the Bible is telling and began to see that story in a much more expansive, a much more sweeping, uh, really epic sense than I had in the sort of uh, very reductionistic, here's some propositional truths you should learn and uh, and accept um uh, or or reject and that determines whether you're a christian or not rather than here is this story that has been unfolding since before there was a, a planet earth uh, and that, that we are invited uh, to become part of um, at whatever point uh, we're able to enter that story regardless of what we believe how much we understand um, that, uh, that that there is this story that we uh, are part of and uh, and that that you know as i began to explore that in that class and then beyond it really did change the direction of my life uh, and the way i approached what it means to be the church what it means to be people living in community trying to embody this gospel rather than sit down and explain it to people uh, even with a right. diagram on the back of a napkin or something right so um i'm i'm sitting here trying to imagine uh, saying, okay, I'm going to take the Bible, the biblical story, and write a um, a, a fictional account that tells that story, and how daunting that must feel. I mean, was or is that just? Are you just a risk taker? <laughs> like, I mean, or when you told uh, Zimmerman about this, did he is was he like, what? You're going to do what? Yeah. yeah, no, actually, um, the, the, the book, you know, before it was a book, it was this introductory Bible study uh, that I'd been teaching with my wife, Rebecca, for um, eight or nine years. So long before, okay. like, so yeah. there was a lot of work that went into this before it became a book. I think. Okay. Just, I just so you, yeah, you, you had, you swam in the shallow end before you went in the deep end. Yeah, 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 That's for right. sure. Yeah, and because and, the way we taught the the study, it, we told a story that I already had a huge chunk of of content ready to go. That I just needed to some help. You know, Dave was a ama- sure. an amazing editor to help actually begin to put structure it in a certain way to make it accessible for people who weren't in the room with us. If if you know. Right, right. And we've said his name three times. And so I'm hoping I get a free lunch out of this, by the way, because <laughs> we live in the same town. Um, yeah, that's great. And uh, I just recently re-engaged the book because uh, when I saw that your podcast was coming out, I went and bought the Audible book and it's even better than reading it, um, partly because you have a cool accent to us uh, Yanks, you know, uh, but Rebecca's involved too, right? And No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and um, so I, I think the Audible for anyone that hasn't engaged the book and you decide from this podcast that you want to go check it out. Um, I mean, I would encourage you to buy the book, but also get the audible version and, and listen to it because it's a whole different experience to listen to it read to you. You know, no, that, that's, and, that's absolutely right. And that's what we found and encouraged people from the beginning. Even if you get the book, it's, it's very different. You know, we encounter, um, uh, the scripture, even the scripture itself, very differently when we hear it mm-hmm. rather than when we read it. 
I'm, I'm a, you know, uh, you know, we often joke and say, you know, Bible churches, you know, that have that sort of on the, on the marquee out front, you know, if you go to a Bible church, you don't actually hear very much Bible read in the worship services. You hear a couple of verses and then you hear some guy talk about it for an hour. Right. Um, but if you go to some of the more liturgical churches, like the Episcopal church or the Presbyterian church, you're liable to hear a lot of scripture read out loud. Yeah. In the worship yeah. And something very different about hearing the scripture than reading the scripture. And so, yeah, my, my favorite way to, to tell the story is to read it aloud together. Um, and that's what, that's what we did uh, in the study. And, and in fact, when Dave and I first started floating the idea of turning it into a book, I was kind of hesitant at first because I thought, man, you'll, we'll lose something in, in that not being in a room listening to the story with others. But the ability to oh, sit sure. by myself and read a book is, is a very different experience. The same content but it's very different when you're reading it by yourself than when you're hearing it with a bunch of other people. Yeah. Well, I could, I could see, yeah, I could see where, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see where the experience would be even better with what you're talking about in community. Uh, but as someone engaging it from the outside, I mean, I would say, you know, even reading the book or even, or, or even more just listening to the audible, it gets you part way to what you're wanting to put across, you know, which is uh, this community narrative listening um, and not just approaching the scriptures as, you know, looking for these kind of propositional, how do I live life kind of thing, you know? Um, so I, I loved it. Um, that, that kind of gets us to your, your most recent um, uh, thing that you're doing, which is a really cool podcast um, with a really interesting name. Uh, so tell us, tell us a little bit about, uh, what you're doing now and, and what got you into that. Yeah, well, I, I, about for the last four or five years, I've been slowly working through the gospel of Mark on my blog, uh, in a similar style that I took in the book, you know, story of God. Um, but I, I just found that even myself, I don't read very many blog posts anymore. Like I used to subscribe to loads of blogs and I'd, I'd read you know, you know, read eight to 10 to 12 a day. And then slowly I just found myself switching to listening to podcasts rather than reading blogs. And, uh, because you know, you're, you're doing the dishes or you're working mm -hmm. out or you're walking downtown, get some exercise, you know, you just stick your earphones in and you listen. And so I thought, well, I wonder if there's a way to breathe life back into this project, uh, is by turning it from, you know, a blog series into a podcast. Um, and so, uh, so that's what I wanted to do uh, because it, um, I really I love this story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, I'm these are imagined conversations. I've created this scenario for you know where did the Gospel of Mark come from? You know what was he doing when he wrote it? You know who was he writing it for? And so taking the best of some of the sort of biblical study. I've done with the gospel and then using my imagination once again to try and place us in a community of people hearing the Jesus story long before it became a holy text. You know, right. what was it like to sit in a room with Mark and he's telling these stories and yeah. what's it like to, to face some of the issues that they were facing that I think Mark addresses in the way he tells the story of Jesus. So, again trying to help us, us um, imagine 
um, the story that lies behind the story that we sometimes take for granted. And, you know, when we pick up the Bible, we have, you know, a lot of us have a reverence for it. It is a sacred text. It is inspired by the, the Holy Spirit. But it's also very earthy, a very human text. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy for us to forget that sometimes, that there is stuff going on behind this text. Um, and I'm trying to help the reader, uh, the listener, uh, enter that world to, to live in the tension that, that Mark's original audience uh, was probably living in. Yeah. And uh, um, I appreciated um, that the so far, uh, and the name of the podcast is The Naked Man. The Naked Man, yes, sir. And before before it came out, you made it clear on Twitter that you were not the naked man, <laughs> right? Which, you know, I appreciated. Yes, um, no surprises. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they're pretty, pretty short snippets, but kind of a deep story, I guess is the way I'd describe it. Yeah, each, each episode's, you know, you know, probably six to eight minutes long. Um, and it's just a, a slow, a slow approach. And I wanted the, the gift of the podcast is one that helps me revisit the material. Uh, cause I already have probably the first year's worth of content written. I just need to edit it for to hearing it out loud. Right. But then also to think, go in each week and come up with a question to reflect on, you know, this is yeah. the story of Mark and the, and the community that heard his gospel maybe for the first time, but where does that, story intersect with our story today um mm -hmm. so i was working on an episode this morning where we where we hear a little bit about peter in the garden of gethsemane where you know he says oh lord you know you i will never abandon you you know jesus just said you know you'll all fall away and he said i won't i'll die with you you know and, yeah and then just a few hours later you know he denies that he even knows jesus and um i'm like what you know where in my life have i you know, had this sort of understanding of what I'm like as a friend, how I occur and then suddenly discover myself letting that person down and letting myself down. And, and why was that, you know, given a chance to, you know, what's that like for us when we do those kind of things? Right. Right. Um, the other, the other thing, you just said something that uh, I, I'm still thinking about, which was it, you kind of made this shift. Um, I guess I would say back from blogging to um, an auditory storytelling, um, which seems a little bit like a movement back to original um, conversations around scripture and how scripture was transmitted, right? As this oral kind of storytelling form, there was less literacy, uh, people weren't carrying around Bibles, and so they told stories. and. Uh, kept the stories going. And so, you know, I wonder if there's not even a little bit of a return to uh, the basics in what you're doing uh, by just kind of going back from a blog to a podcast, you think? Yeah, I, mean, I certainly, again, like I said, I think it's a very different experience to hear a story than it is to read a story. In the same way, it's a very different experience to watch a movie based on a book than it is to read the book itself. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, th that that you know visual storytelling is very different than reading a story uh, and l listening to a story i, I love audio books um, yeah. and we you know as a family we we often listen to them on road trips um, and again it's just a very different experience to hear a story being read to you than it is to read it yourself 
Um, I find myself much more immersed in the world of the story when I'm listening to it mm. than when I'm reading it. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's probably, you know, I don't know if I intended it. I just, I just thought, oh, that might help me get this project, yeah. breathe some new life into it. But certainly, even listening to myself tell the story, I'm enjoying it more than when I read yeah. it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, let me let me try to take a little bit of this conversation and put it in some context to the people that are probably listening um, to this podcast. Now, a lot of us are we're kind of interested in what's been termed, you know, the missional movement or missional practitioners, um, you know, people uh, that kind of are in the orbit around forge and other tribes you know, they kind of uh, talk about the practice of announcing the kingdom of God to people that don't generally come into a church building. I mean, that's uh, a lot of our focus. Um, You know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was uh, just, it seems that if we were better storytellers, um, not only of um, just things that happen in our time, in our own time, but better storytellers about the story, capital S, you know, story, um, that we would be better missional practitioners, you know, better announcers of the kingdom. Um, and so, you know, just, I wanted to get your thoughts on integrating some of the things that you've walked in around narrative uh, approaches to scripture and um, how this might inform those of us that are kind of uh, focused on being out in the neighborhoods and in the streets, you know? Yeah. Well, one, you know, the story of God, you know, did not arise out of a, out of a community of biblical scholars. And like I, uh, I'd taken that class and then I went down to Houston to, to spend this, you know, 10 weeks with my best friend in Houston uh, where he had, uh, you know, a couple of years before started this uh, faith community, uh, sort of a church within a church uh, called Mercy Street, um, uh, that was predominantly made up of people in recovery from some kind of addiction or another. And when I went down, he said, hey, why don't you teach our first Bible study? You know, people are, are wanting to engage with, with the Bible now. Uh, most of them have either never read it or it's been a long time since they've read it. Some of them, the only Bible they've encountered is the one that other people use to beat them around the head. Uh, he goes, so why don't you teach a Bible study while you're here this summer? And hey, why don't you like cover the whole Bible in eight weeks? <laughs> so like I tell people, like the book came out of a dare. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but you know, I'd just taken this class and I wanted to do that. So for that summer, for eight weeks, I went, I went through writing it week to week, uh, I, I uh, was on the phone with Mary, uh, my professor, you know, two or three times a week trying to bouncing ideas off. Uh, and so every Wednesday night for eight weeks, um, we would gather in, in the church building to hear the story. Uh, but then we would go over the street to this little cafe and and hang out on the the the, the out outside area and drink coffee and smoke and whatever until they kicked us out and uh and you know there's about 40 people who would do that um come over there every every wednesday night and you know people would eventually come back to the story and something that they heard that intersected with their own life um and there was one night 
it was the seventh week. So I was coming towards the end of the summer uh, and there had been this guy who'd been there every week. Um, and let's call him uh, Jimmy. And he, he, uh, he, he is, uh, had been addicted to crack cocaine for a long time. He had about 10 weeks um, substance free when I met him. Uh, and after that, that night, I, I told the, the, the story of, of Jesus last week uh, in Jerusalem and then his death on the cross and, and, and then the resurrection, what we celebrate at Easter. And, and after the study, he was very quiet. And when we went over to the, the coffee shop, he said, hey, I want to talk to you. And uh, he sat me down in the booth and he basically said, hey, uh, so you're telling me that this, this whole story we've been hearing has been leading up to Jesus and, and, uh, and he, 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 you know, he laid his life down for, for people like me. Like he died for crack addict Jimmy. And uh, I'm like, yeah, he goes, well, I am in the inn. What, what have I got to do? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so he prayed this beautiful prayer to Jesus wow. for the first time and uh, went outside and told his friends what had happened. And, and it was this beautiful moment. And I saw these people, you know, get up and hug him. And there's lots of tears and, you know, not everyone in that group by far would identify as Christian. They would just sort of dip in their toe into the church thing, but they were so delighted for him mm -hmm. that he had made a connection with a power greater than himself. Um, so I, I, you know, I got on my motorcycle and drove home that night and I was like floating like two feet off the ground. Right. The, ver the very next morning I'm sound asleep. I get woken up by my phone ringing and it's Jimmy. And he says, what the hell have you done to me? I'm like, what? <laughs> what? He goes, what have you done to me? Like, what are you talking about? So we, we, I met him for breakfast at like IHOP or something. And he said, you know, when I left last night, I was just feeling really good. And I, I found like, I felt like I had some hope and I was talking to Jesus. And suddenly I just wanted to use, like I wanted to use so bad. And I, I just thought, I'm, I, I, I can't do that though. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that, but I just wanted to so badly here. So, you know what I decided to do? I decided to go, just, just go find a hooker and take care of my needs that way and you know what it didn't work i felt <laughs> awful it was terrible so what have you done to me so <laughs> it's like 7 30 in the morning like not the usual conversation i've had at that time and i said well jimmy you know and this is literally what i said i said that's that's the holy spirit in your life but we don't get to that part of the story till next week <laughs> and that and, and ron that was the moment where that was like my conversion moment where I realized, huh. and here is this guy who's, who's only heard some of the story and even not a lot of it, you know, Yeah. but he's heard enough to say, I want in on that. And, and, and when he says yes to the story, regardless of how much or how little he understands, suddenly, you know, he becomes part of the story. Right. And, uh, and you don't have to know it all. I think sometimes in the church, we think we need to give people a two year class on, all this doctrine and, and what it means to be a good church person rather than here's this story and how do we tell it with real people in, in the places where they live their lives yeah. um, and let God bring, draw them into the story and then help all of us together more faithfully embody that story in community, uh, both together and in the wider community that we live in. Yeah. And that's what I've been trying to do 
for the last, well, that was 2000. So 20 years, almost 20 years. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean it makes me think of what, what we always say in Forge. I mean, we, and we kind of got it from people like Bosch and Newbegin and, you know, which is, um, you know, got, it's God's mission, right? And God is always on mission. The story is always going on and we just join him in that story. And what I've found that, that is so kind of delightful in being a, um, a missionally focused person, I guess, you know, for lack of a better phrase, um, is that it releases me from trying to um, convert people and get them to some level of knowledge all the time, but I get to join their story, you know, and, and their story joins in my story. And then we just kind of walk together uh, in God's story and surprises like that tend to happen. Right. Um, Absolutely. When we just kind of let God, let God work. So um what, I mean, what would you say to, um, you know, the, the house church, the, the church planter, the, um, the person that's um, trying to be true to tell this story of God and use the scriptures to a community of faith? Um, you know, ways, uh, things that you've learned of kind of approaching it. Um, anything that's been helpful to you so that they could maybe even get out of some bad habits that we've been taught, you know, on how, on how we bring the scriptures to a community to learn about this story. What are some things that you've learned? I think the, the primary thing that I am continuing to learn is that if, if we are not clear about our own story, there are so many other meaning making stories out there that will demand our allegiance that we will give it elsewhere. Um, and I think the trouble is for a lot of us in the church, we actually don't know our own story. Uh, we have a very reductionistic version. We don't have a, a, a sense of what God is up to in the world and has been from the beginning and will continue to be about, right. uh, and so when that's the case, if, it, if, the, if we approach the Bible as a set of propositional truths to believe in or not, um, if, if you know, we can have these you know, the experiences, especially in the more sort of evangelical tradition, which is what I come out of, that's where my roots lie. Uh, if you just you know, give your life to Jesus and accept him into your heart as Lord and Savior, then, then your life will change and you'll go to heaven when you die. If that's the story, uh, then that, that's just not a, a powerful enough story to resist all the other stories that we are swimming in all the time around us mm -hmm. uh, through the advertising that we receive. Uh, you know, it's, that's just not a strong enough story. And, and mm -hmm. in fact, we don't even realize that we're the story we're really living out might be consumer capitalism, right. uh, that that might be the one that we've given our allegiance to. Uh, and the Jesus story is just something we kind of do on the weekends. Um, uh, and so, uh, so I think that first and foremost, we have to know this bigger story, um, this, this story of, of a God who cannot but help create something other than God's self in order for something else to experience the goodness of the love of God. Right. <laughs> uh, and that, that, that creation, uh, is everything, the whole world for God so loved the cosmos for God so loved all of creation. 
that God is crazy about everything that God has made and has entrusted the care of all of the creation to us humans yeah. that, you know, and that, that we have messed it up and continue to mess it up. Yeah. But God is in Jesus uh, has made it possible uh, for new creation to begin and continue. Um, and that is our work in the world that not only we can be made new, um, but the world can be made new. Um, and, and so there are people all around us who get that story, who would not have a clue about Christianity, would not have a clue what the Bible says, but they understand deep inside them this story that I'm here to nurture and care for the rest of the world, to nurture and care for other people. Um, yeah, it's, it's that innate part of them that's, that's part of just being a Mago Dei, right? Just being an image of God. They kind of get something. Yeah. So, so if I, if I have the typical sort of, again, from my own tradition, evangelical approach, when I'm meeting neighbors, you know, if I just see them as someone who needs to hear the gospel, and I think the gospel is a set of abstract theological concepts to either agree with or disagree with, and then I very, I may well miss what God is already up to in that person. If I come with my pre, pre decided, you know, here's the questions I need you to answer about. So, you know, because I know the gospel means this, rather than start from a posture of listening, a, a posture of humility, where is God already at work in this life? Where is this person already being drawn towards the story of God, as we understand it in Scripture? And how do I how do I connect our conversation there to discover what God is already up to in this person, so that then I might join them <laughs> yeah, in what yeah. God is doing in them in the world, uh, rather than try and convert them to something. That, you know, there's nothing to do with what God is already doing it. Right. right. Uh, and there's so many people um, in our neighborhood who are loving their neighbors as themselves faithfully, sacrificially. Uh, and my, the invitation I feel is like that. That's where I see God's kingdom coming. They would not use that language. But that's the story I think I see unfolding in front of me. And I get to go join in with them. And, and, and as we serve together, as we embody this story together, uh, we have this conversation to say, well, why am I here? Let me tell you why I'm here. Right. Right. That's great. That's great. Well, Hey, um, mate, I'll say mate. I never get to say mate, uh, as an American, unless I'm talking to you or Deb Hirsch or Alan Hirsch or Mike Frost or someone like that. <laughs> you know? So, um, uh, I really appreciate the time and, um, you being with us. Um, I, I want to make sure that people know how to, kind of get hold of you because I know that um, I, I see from your posts that um, you know you're you're available for preaching and uh, different things like that um, so how how could people get hold of you if they would like to uh, talk to you further yeah so I'm on Facebook like everybody who's a Gen Xer I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but also my website is seangladding.com you can find out more about me there you can contact me through there um, I love leading retreats on the story uh, yes I, I enjoy preaching uh, I, I want people to encounter this this profound story that is that is what of what God is doing in the world and how we get to be part of that so if that's something you're interested in exploring, then uh, get a hold of me uh, through my website, or you can just email me directly, sean.gladding at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, and then again, the, um, 
the the book from 10 years ago is called The Story of God, The Story of Us. It's an IVP um, published book, and it's on Amazon and all the places that you can buy books. And like I said before, um, I'd encourage you to get the print edition and go ahead and get the Audible because uh, you'll enjoy it. And then the podcast is, you've got uh, three episodes out, right? Yes. Three episodes are out. Coming out once a week on Fridays. Yeah, and it's called The Naked Man. Uh, so they could search iTunes or, or Spotify by that title or by your name and uh, subscribe to that. And what, I, what I've really found is, um, you know, in the mornings, I've got a drive uh, that's at least 10 minutes long. And so I've kind of gotten in this rhythm where when that comes out, um, I kind of listen to that on the way and it's, it's a cool way to get the day started. So, uh, yeah. So I would encourage everyone to, uh, to get that. Have you got any other kind of projects or things coming up on the horizon? Uh, I'm always writing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I've got three or four half baked projects going. Um, I, I've got, I wrote a, a book uh, last year, short book for Holy Week called A View from the Margins um, that, uh, that it's uh, the series of uh, nine read, uh, days, just reflections on stories that we uh, read in the Gospels of Jesus that week that Jesus was in Jerusalem that last week. Um, but trying to, trying to get at looking at Jesus from the margins, looking at from the, the view of others. Right. Uh, and right. so that that's available now on Amazon, both as an ebook and in print. Um, so if you're looking for something for this Holy Week uh, through this for Easter to read, I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm working on a book on hospitality. That's okay. Awesome. Project. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, I so appreciate you and appreciate your heart and uh, all of us here at Forge. Um, are just uh, honored to call you a friend and uh, enjoy watching what God is is doing through you. And um, I can't wait for you to come back out to the Springs and we'll hit that that taco shop again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it was really good. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but uh, so thanks for being with us, Sean, spending some time with us. And uh, we just wish you the best, man. Thanks, Merlin. Appreciate oh, you having okay. me on today. All right. Thank you. All right. See you, mate. Hey, well, thanks again to uh, Sean for that discussion and uh, interview. And I want to encourage you again uh, to go on to Amazon and purchase The Story of God and Us. I know it's available on Kindle and um, paperback as well as Audible, which I personally think is the best version because he's got such a cool accent and his wife is part of that reading as well. Um, and then jump on iTunes or Spotify and be sure and subscribe uh, to his podcast, The Naked Man, and start at the beginning. And it's going to walk you through uh, the book of Mark in a narrative fashion. And I found it to be really, really, really good. So I want to encourage you to do that. And we will be with you next week. We'll see where all of this crisis goes in the country. And uh, um, our prayers and our thoughts are with each of you as um, just people of Jesus and the church, missional people, church leaders. As always, if we can be of any help at Forge, 
we would like to do that. And so uh, feel free to email us or contact us at forgeamerica.com. Um, and even if you need a phone call or some email interaction, uh, whatever it may be, we are here to serve you and to help you in any fashion. So um, until next week, Terry, Alan, you guys stay inside and uh, do good. <laughs> See you guys next time. All right. Bye. Hey, special thanks to my friend Ben Freeman for the sound bed under this particular podcast. He lives in Oklahoma City. Be sure and follow Ben on Instagram, SoundCloud, and other places where you find good online music.